Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Uh, today, we are wrapping up our messaging on values, uh, and today really is a message for really every believer in the body of Christ around the world. If, if I could take one message and blow it up and, and give this message to every Christian around the world, it would probably be this one right here. What can we do on an individual, personal level to move the kingdom of God and the mission of God forward? It's simple, it's practical, it's powerful, it tests our heart, it gets right to the root of so many things, and I'm excited to teach this message today. So would you pray with me, and let's open up our head and our heart to God's word. Heavenly Father, we want to be changed and transformed by your word. Lord, we're here today to give you glory, to pour our hearts out on you, and then, God, to be changed, to experience the life that you created us to have, and, God, that that really rivers of living water would flow out of us and then begin to reach others. In Jesus' name, we pray. If you believe that with me, say amen. Amen. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. Thank you for being our guest today. We want you to feel welcomed. We have a t-shirt for you afterwards. Uh, If you are a first-time guest, a second-time guest, or checking us out, this message is not for you. Don't be afraid. I'm not coming for you this morning. If you are a believer in Jesus, I'm coming for you this morning, okay? So, no, it's, it's going to be a beautiful time together. But if you're a guest, welcome. Thank you for being here. All of our podcast listeners, thank you. Uh, again, we've, we're excited to continue to reach people through that. This morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at a few different verses. They're going to be up here as well, so you can keep your phone or your Bibles ready and handy. But I'm going to teach through uh, this morning's morning's message. Uh, I want us to get this. I want this to sink into our, our head and our heart. As we wrap up values on a personal level, how do you and I as an individual join God's family and move the mission of God forward? How do we build the kingdom of God? If this entire thing is Matthew 28, right? If, if God's heart is every child, every woman, every man around the world has a local church to go to, to grow and, and to know him and that the gospel would reach everybody and everyone would hear the gospel and everyone would be connected to a loving family and every community would be served, how do we do this? How do we, on a personal level, push his mission forward, right? If the culmination of my life is giving him glory and serving him and building his thing, how do I do it, right? Because I get lost in the link, and that's what we're going to go after today. The first thing, this is important for us to know, is every mission needs time. How do you and I, on a personal level, move God's mission forward? Time. Number one is time. You know, probably the greatest resource God has given us is time. Time. Everybody is given the same 24 hours in a day. How you and I invest that time makes all the difference in the world. You ever notice how some people just get so many things done in what seems to be a short amount of time? And others, like you give them 12 hours and they still can't get the same task done that maybe should take two hours done, right? Time. How do we invest our time? Psalms 89:47. remember how short my time is. I love that. There's a sense of urgency in his heart. My time is short. 
I don't want to waste my time. I want to invest my time. I want to have impact with my time because it's, it's short, right? Uh, Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Isn't that interesting? He's like, God, teach me the value of time that I could grow in wisdom with time. What am I doing with my time? I, love, I like this, Ephesians 5, 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil, right? They're short. They're evil. There's a lot going on. I want to make the best use of my time. Here's, here's the truth about time. We all make time for who and what we love, right? I, I don't have any time to do the dishes, but I have a lot of time to go scuba diving, right? Okay, so we, we all make time for who and what we love, and that's, that's okay. You should make time for your kids, I hope you make time for your spouse. Your marriage may not last long if you don't, right? Like, like you, there's times and investments. Yes, you got to invest in certain areas. I, I hope you make time to go to work, right? You need some money, right? Like, like we, we have to spend time in, in certain areas of our life, and that's okay. That's good. I think, I think God knows this. So the question I'm proposing today is, what does time look like for God? What is a healthy amount of time for God. What is a healthy amount of time for God? As a church, we have said this word a lot, health. We're never going to be a perfect church. It's not attainable, but we can be a healthy church. You're going to hear me use that word quite a lot in the journey. What is a healthy amount of time for God look like? And I kind of like the concept of tithing my time. I don't have the Bible on this per se, but I like the idea of how this carries. If I work 40 hours a week, right, for my paycheck, what would it might look like to give the first four hours of my week to God? Now, the, the world, you know when their week starts? Monday. You know, for the believer, you know when our week starts? Sunday. We actually celebrate on Sunday, right, and that helps us make it through the rest of the week. This, this is the first hours of of our week. Just by being here, you're investing your first fruit, your first hours, your first time into a relationship with God that I believe will impact you the rest of the week. But you're, you're in, just by showing up, you're saying, God, you matter to me and you'll help me set the pace for the rest of the week. So what does healthy serving look like? What does healthy time for God look like? I kind of like the number about four hours a week. For most of us, if you're serving God four hours a day, you're probably out of balance, unless you're in full-time ministry, right? Like, it's probably too much. If you're only serving God four hours a year, it's probably out of balance. It's probably too little. So four hours a month or four hours a week, I don't want to get legalistic about it, but we want to invest our time moving the mission of God forward. Now, let me talk to some of you that used to serve and do everything at your church, and you're a little burned out. Here's what happened. You carried too much weight for too long. You carried too much weight for too long. I brought a little illustration this morning. Um, I've got a couple different size dumbbells here. I've got five pounds, which is what my little Z-man, my little five-year-old has been using, and I got 45 pounds. Here, here's what happens to some of us believers. We get excited about Jesus. We jump into our first few churches, and we're serving God 20 hours a week, Right? We're carrying a lot of weight. We're running the youth ministry. We're, we're running the young adults ministry. We're leading worship. We're pouring coffee. We're doing a lot of work for the church. We're doing everything. And, and, and when you have a lot of weight, 
I can carry it for a little bit, but I cannot lug 45 pounds around for an hour. I probably can't lug it around for 10 minutes, right? It's going to start, what's it going to do? It's going to start hurting. What happens to some of us, we start serving, we're so zealous, we take ourselves to a breaking point and we get hurt. And then when we drop the weight, what happens is we end up usually leaving the church, right? We're exhausted. We drop the weight. We're hurt. And we're like, I'm never picking up weight again, right? I'm never serving again. Why? Because you took yourself or the leadership or whatever took you to a breaking point. Five pounds. I could probably hang on to this for an hour, right? It, it's, it's manageable. I can carry it and I can carry it a little bit longer. As a church, one of the reasons we like to rotate leaders is we realize many hands make heavy work light. That's the reason we rotate everybody. I'm like, hey, carry the weight for a little bit. Serve God for a, a season. And then we'll change it up. We'll shake it up. We'll rotate leaders because it, we realize it takes all of us giving a little instead of some of us giving everything and then dying and burning out. I've realized my wife and I have had some healthy conversations in the last few years. We want to go 30 years. And in order for us to serve God for 30 years, I can't carry 45 pounds all the time. I can carry it for a season, but not every day, 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, I'm going to drown, right? And so, again, what does healthy serving look like? I would say about four hours a week. If you've been serving God four hours a year, let's pick it up a little bit. If you're going four hours a day, let's slow down a little bit. What does healthy servanthood look like? Here, here's what I've realized. The right amount of weight for the right time builds muscle. Too much weight, too much time starts tearing muscle apart. If you're serving God with the right amount of weight for the right time, you'll become a mature, developed believer and follower of Christ capable of lifting a lot of weight. If we throw too much on anybody, it hurts them and burns them out. If it's too little, your muscles never develop. See how this kind of works spiritually? Time. We want to begin to invest time. So if, if you're not leading Lift Group or you're not serving, consider going to Next Steps class and, and give a once in a three-week rotation, perhaps so, some, some time, right? Give, give some time. If, if you feel like you're doing too much, well, let's back it up. I'd rather go back to 30 pounds than have you burn out and just quit on everything. And I've seen a lot of believers in the body of Christ do that too. They carry too much weight for too long, then they burn out and they're like, well, I'm never picking up serving again. I'd rather slow you down, right, instead of come to a stop. I'd rather shift lanes for somebody than just have them leave. And so that's a healthy conversation in church leadership, right? Hopefully we can all kind of get behind that. What, is that. what does that look like for us to give some of our time? Um, it's interesting. I do talk to some people like, well, I just, I just don't have time for God, right? So if we, if we take four hours a week, you, you've got your personal prayer time, your Bible study, perhaps you're going to a lift group on Sunday, maybe you're serving a little bit. That's about four hours a week, believe it or not. That's probably healthy, right? Some people are like, well, I, don't, I have no time for God. Okay, that's true, but you had four hours for Love Island, right? I mean, you're like watching, and you're like, this isn't good for my soul, but I just can't stop. You know, it's like, so, so come on. I do think there's investment and priorities. Some of us too, I, I've realized this too, some of you are carrying 45 pounds out there at your work, and so you come in and you're just depleted. And so that's really about boundaries throughout the week, you know, and emotional boundaries and healthy work boundaries. And so I think there's a tension in that too. But typically, we want everybody caring a little bit more. How are we spending our time? Uh, as of 2022, the average daily social media usage of internet users worldwide was about 147 minutes per day. 
I think that, that was interesting. Uh, according to uh, the Nielsen uh, stat, the average American watches more than four hours of TV every day. Or 28 hours a week. That's almost a work week. That's like part-time in TV. That's, that's a lot of time. So how are we, how are we spending our, our time, right? So how can my small amount and how can your small amount together create a great amount of investment for the kingdom and the mission of God? Again, many hands make heavy work light, and together we become responsible. We are response-able. We lift weight for the kingdom of God. Number two, let's, let's go on. Talent. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to zero on this one. How can every believer around the world, if every believer invested four hours of their week in the mission of God, where would the global church of Jesus be? Way farther than what we are right now, right? So serving is a part of it. Time is a part of it. Talent is another key part of moving the mission of God forward. Um, every believer, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Every believer has something that God gave them that God wants them to give to the local church. God has given everyone something to add value to his mission, to his kingdom, and his purposes. God has given a lot of gifts to the local church. I want to read this, 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We believe in this thing called the priesthood of all believers. In the Old Testament, you had to go to the priest to sacrifice and go into the presence of God for you. You had to hear from a prophet the word of God. But here in the New Testament, when Jesus died, he tore the veil, signifying there's no more separation between the presence of God and his people. You have union with Christ. We believe in this thing called the priesthood of all believers. In other words, you don't have to come through me to go to God. You can go to God. You have something to give, right? There's a ministry on your life. And before you get scared, ministry simply means service. There is a service on your life that is going to move the mission of God forward. Every believer everywhere has a service, a ministry on their life, anointed by God to move his mission forward. Some of you perhaps have found it. Others of you, uh, maybe you have not. Ephesians 4, 11, I think one of the most clarifying scriptures ever, says Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service or works of ministry so that the body of Christ might be built up. The job of a pastor is to equip people for their ministry, for their service, what they're going into, right? Pastor, how does this happen? Well, it does begin with a conversation, right? It could begin with next steps class. It begins with a conversation. How did God uniquely make you? Where do you fit in the entire mission and kingdom? Hey, let's just get the process started. It's a little messy, but, it, but it's good. We, we need it. God's given a lot of natural gifts to the body. He's given a lot of spiritual gifts. Let me read a few that I think are wildly helpful. Uh, first of all, the spiritual gift of helps. Literally, there's a spiritual gift of helps, helping. I, I love this. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Um, it, it literally means, I love this, it means to relieve, participate in, or support. A lot of people are like, hey, I don't know what to do, but pastor, I just want to be a part. I just want to help Bill. I just want to help do something. You actually might have the spiritual gift of helps. The ability to come alongside and say, I don't know exactly what to do, but I just want to support it. I want to push it forward. There, every local church around the world has a lot to do, and it would make sense that God gives a chunk of his body the spiritual gift of helps. I just want to come and help. 
right? I, I think Marina possibly has this gift. Every time I'm around Marina, she's like, what needs to be done, right? That just sounds like the spiritual gift of helps. And today she set up all the coffee and everything. Give it up for Marina. Come on. Mom of two here early serving. Leaving the kids with Martin, right? Come on, give it up for Martin, right? Come on, there you go. You know, drinking the kids here on church on time. Like, it's a, it's a team effort, right? But that sounds like the spiritual gift of helps. I'm coming to just serve. How do I push it forward, right? There's the spiritual gift of administration. I, I love the gift of administration. I don't have this gift. If you have this gift, come talk to me right now. My wife has this gift, right? But, but the, the gift of administration gathers people and they organize them accordingly so the church can maximize impact. And I love that. I love administrators. They're some of my favorite people in the world because I'm not. I'm a communicator. I'm a visionary. I'm missional. But I'm not an administrator. And I marry administrators well. That's why I married my wife. I was like, that's what I want in my life. Somebody help me organize this whole thing, right? Like, and so, but administration, whoo, it's, it, it's not like one of those really awesome, like, out in front gifts. But, boy, you don't have it and everything's a mess. You have to have administration. There's, there's the, the spiritual gift of faith, serving, exhortation, encouraging people, you know, picking them. Uh, the spiritual gift of giving, spiritual gift of leadership, spiritual gift of mercy. I, I, I love the meaning of, of this word mercy. It simply means an act of kindness, compassion, or favor. What a thought that God has given some of the people in the body of Christ the spiritual gift of mercy, just so they would show up to church on Sunday to show someone else compassion and kindness. What if God put you in the body of Christ just to show kindness to people? Wow, what a thought that you're here to just display this is what the kindness of God and the goodness of God could look like as I reach out to you and I'm compassionate to you. There's a ton of gifts in the body of Christ. Let's get you to your strength. I love the quote by John Maxwell. We relate to people through our weaknesses, but we lead them through our strengths. You're going to relate to people through the things that you've struggled through and the hurts and the hangups that you've had, but you know what? We want to lead the church through your strengths. That's why you don't see me leading worship. It's not my strength. It'd be disastrous, right? So, so let's get the body, as many as we can, that are willing to give of the time, let's get them in their talent. Let's get them in their strength. Let's get them in their spiritual gift, and let's begin to release them for ministry, right? I, I've known Felipe now for a, a year and a half. He clearly has a gift on his life to lead men. He's got exhortation. He's got a, several spiritual gifts, but one of it, there's a gift to help men. If you're a man in here, and you're not committed to any other small group, get in Felipe's lift group. You need it. You don't realize that you need it yet, but you do. Get into it. It's going to help you. And those of you that have been a part of his group, you know it's going to add value to your life. There's a gift there to help out. In Matthew 25, we read about the parable of the talents. And these, these are just really bags of money about the parable that God gave to different servants. And he gave one five, another two, and then one one, right? Two of them invested it and then doubled, right, the, the return of investment, and one buried it. In other words, he didn't use it, he didn't work it, he didn't manage it, he simply buried it, right? And, and he did so out of, out of fear, which I think is kind of interesting, but he was afraid, and so he buried it while the other two worked it and invested it and everything, right? So first of all, we do nothing out of fear as the body of Christ. We're people of faith, not of fear. And so when we invest our gifts, when we invest our talents, we're doing it out of faith, not fear. But we want to invest what God has given us. We want to bear fruit as a church and as a people, as a leadership team. How do we do that? We invest 
our gifts and our talents, and we want to work them. And this, this is what we ultimately want, right? Good, well done, good and faithful servant. You've invested what I gave you. You grew it, and that's it. I, I've always felt like a two-talent guy myself, right? I look at some five-talent people, and I'm like, that is so much talent. It's mind-bending to me. I've never felt that talented. Charity has more talent in like one hand than I do in my whole body, right? Like, and it bothers me, okay? And it, it, sometimes it's hard to lead intelligent people. They're just so gifted, right? But what I've learned in my little life is like, man, if I take two, I can turn it into four, then I can turn it into eight, then I can turn it into 16, I can turn it into 32 if I just keep going, right? Come on, how many know that slow and steady wins the race sometimes? Some of my five-talent people, the challenge is when you get five talents and ten and you start multiplying quickly, pride becomes a real challenge. I've seen a lot of people that I started with 20 years ago have five talents that are already out of this thing called ministry because of pride. Sometimes it's just better to say, God, you gave me a little bit, but I'm going to invest what you gave me. And I'll multiply what you gave me. And I trust your hand. I trust your faithfulness. If I can just stay steady, you can do something even with me. Right? So again, you may not be the crispiest chip in the bag, but what are you doing with your time and your talent? Because God gave you something to give to the body of Christ. All right? Let's, let's invest it. Let's pour into it. I love this quote from Les Brown. The graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes, the dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step. We are a people of faith, not of fear. Let's take the steps and invest in our talents. He's given you something to move his mission and his kingdom, his local church, forward. Amen? That's what we want to we do. We want to invest our time. We want to invest our talent. We want to lead the world through our strengths. What would it look like if every believer around the world got into their gifting and began to lead? Wow. It'd be, it'd be huge. Last one. Probably the least favorite this morning. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Treasure. Treasure. Time, talent, treasure. Every mission needs resources. Every mission needs resources resources. Every believer in Jesus, again, I'm talking to the believers today. I'm talking to those that are in the house. I'm not talking to guests this morning. Don't worry, this is not for you. Every believer in Jesus is called to give money and support the mission of God with their resources, with their treasure. In fact, I, I personally believe that every paycheck, right, we have a test. We have an opportunity. Do I trust God or do I trust money? Isn't it ironic that even on our money, we write, in God, we trust? I don't know if that's real for most people, but it's on the dollar bill. How do I prove to myself, the devil, and God that I trust him? The tithe. I don't know why God chose 10, right? It could be just, you know, something that God decided randomly. It could be a consistent thing in Scripture. I find it interesting that there are 10 commandments, What's God doing? He's testing the heart. Is my heart for God and the goodness of others, or am I kind of selfish? The Ten Commandments seem to expose what's on the inside, right? There are ten plagues of Pharaoh or, or ten tests 
on Pharaoh, right? Like, where's Pharaoh's heart? Is he going to soften or is he not? And there's 10. In the parable of the virgins waiting for God's return, there are 10 virgins, right? Five did it well and, and were faithful, and five, five just kind of fell out and fizzled out, right? So it seems to be a number. What I like that God did is he made it a percentage. Wouldn't it be crushing if God said every month you have to bring $1,000 or $10,000? right? It'd be a little crushing. Or what if you made a million dollars a year and God said, just, just 20 bucks is all I need. The percentage, really what the percentage does is it's an equal sacrifice across the board. It's an equal sacrifice across the board. So whatever level I'm at, I feel the percentage. I feel like 20% would be quite crushing. I feel like 1% I probably wouldn't invest in. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I find that interesting. God has called every single one of us to a mutual sacrifice for the supply of the church. In Malachi 3, God said it like this. He said, bring your tithes into the storehouse so there's meat in my house. What's, what's a storehouse? Well, the ancient concept of a storehouse is a place that you would bring the grain and the resources to, and you would leave it there until the community or people had need of it, and then you would draw on it. What's God's idea for the local church all around the world in every single community across this planet? His house is a storehouse. Several years ago, and I, I, I want to say it was 2017. Yeah, that was it. January the 6th, 2017, there was a mass shooting at the Fort Lauderdale airport. And, and so there was a, a mass shooting and, and many, many people uh, were injured. It all together, about 36 people sustained injuries uh, from, from the panic. And there were several that were wounded from the gunshots, I think about, about five, six here. Um, and so what happened, you, the news is not going to tell you this, but the local church got together and they went to the hospital and they said, we're going to pay for everyone's medical bills. So everybody that was damaged by the mass shooting, the body of Christ stepped in and paid for everyone's medical bills. Now the news isn't going to probably say that, but isn't that a picture of what the body of Christ is to be about. We are a storehouse. Amen. The, just this month, what you guys have done is you've supported three missionaries. You fully take care of an entire church plan in India. That's growing. I'm really excited about this. This, this month, we were able, through God's help, we paid for a single mother's rent because she couldn't quite make it to the end of the month because of your giving, we covered it. Come on, somebody. That's a beautiful thing, right? Like, we're doing a lot of things that the news will never tell you, but we're being the local church, right? God's heart was always not just that governments would take care of people, but that his church would take care of people. We're a storehouse so the gospel can be continuously taught and preached and so that when the community has need, we can step in. Some of you today are like, well, the church should just do more. I agree, the church should do more. But how many of you know the church can only give what she receives? The church can do more when we, the church, give more. It's funny to me is when people are like, oh, the church. I'm like, well, are you a believer in Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Guess what? You're a part of the church. And together, we make up this wild thing called the body of Christ. We're really not, a, a, we're not just a, a nonprofit organization. We're, we're a body, right? We're not just an organization. We're an organism. We have this living, breathing dynamic, and every local house is a store house for the community. For me, the sad thing is, is when we as believers refuse to engage in giving, we're not hurting the church 
we're hurting the community. Because the purpose of the church has always been for the community. Amen. So I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but I needed to get that out. What are we here for? We're here for the community. Psalms 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. God owns everything. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't even really want your money. People need help. And the reason he designed the church is for people. Some of us, we still think we're the owners of our life. We still think we're the owner of all of our money. And that's okay. It's a very American thing to do. Pastor, I I hear you, but my money is, guess what? My money. Don't talk about it. You're making me uncomfortable. When you and I realize that we are stewards of our life, not the owner of our life, we begin to realize, God, you own my entire being. And if you take my breath next day, it's gone. Like, you own my entire thing. So I'm not the owner of my life. I'm the steward of my life. And you've designed it in the tithe for me to worship you, trust you, love you, move your mission forward. And it teaches me you are first. You are the owner. I am the steward. The tithe is about humility. Who is God? Is it me or is it him? It's it's him. Matthew 6, 21, we'll wind down with this one. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There will always be a connection between my heart and my wallet. And again, this is why I have money for sailboats and motorcycles, but I do not have money for the renovations my wife wants. It just does not make sense to renovate the bathroom when I could buy another motorcycle, right? It's just like, it's just, like, just, come on, like, let's, priorities, babe, right? Like, this is why you and your spouse get in disagreements. You have different emotional priorities, As I begin to follow Jesus, I'm picking up his personality and his priorities. I'm learning to grow and mature in the things of of God. Uh, I'll wind down with with this story. Um, Five generations ago, my great-grandfather, some of you have heard this story, but it's so applicable today. His name was Dale. And uh, in fact, I was in a meeting this week, and I had a chance to share this story. I don't share it all the time, but it's so powerful. And Dale, uh, man, he was a rough guy. A uh, farmer from Indiana, he was a mean, rough dude. He had a drinking problem, and when he'd get drunk, he would beat his wife and his kids. And uh, there was a pastor that planted a church in the area. He was from England, came to America, uh, came to Indiana, and planted a little farming church. And the church, I don't think, ever got above 50 people. Uh, it's called Greenwood Chapel Church there in, in, in northern Indiana. Never, never, I love this church. And uh, the pastor started evangelizing to my great-grandfather, Dale. And he said, Dale, you know, we love you. Come to church. God loves you, blah, blah. And, and my great-grandfather was like, get the blankety-blank away from me. Don't talk to me. I blankety-hate you. Blankety. I mean, he just, nothing good to say about God, the church, or the pastor, right? And so as the, as the year would go on, he would just try to reach out to him, reach out to him, reach out to him, and nothing, right? Just anger, anger, anger. Well, part of the, part of the, the challenge of just, you know, a farming community, but then also his drinking problem, he started losing his farm. So he had to sell land, he had to sell livestock, and he's struggling. He's really, you know, getting into poverty. And then he lost his last cow. That's not a big deal to you and me, but, you know, five generations ago in farming Indiana, cows and chickens, and that's a big deal. So the pastor knocked on his door one day, and he said, Dale, God told me to give you a cow. This way you can have milk for your family, butter for your family. You know, take this cow. God said, give you the cow. Take, take one of my cows. And my great-grandfather began to cry. He had never been shown love before like that. And he couldn't figure out somebody he had treated so bad could give him anything 
let alone think about his family. The next Sunday, he was in church, and as the story goes, he gave his life to Jesus that Sunday because of the cow. He became an elder in that church. His wife got saved. He stopped drinking. He stopped abusing his kids and wife. Most of his kids got saved. My grandfather, Harold, was a pastor for his entire lifetime. You know, he, he, he took one church in the 60s to 800 people in California and reaching many, many hundreds of people, right? And, and, and then my mom, Jane, she heard, the, she heard about Jesus through my grandfather. I heard about Jesus through my mom, right? And my kids, I got four kids now, they're all going to hear about Jesus because of a cow. That is the holiest cow in Christianity, right? I know we don't believe in holy cows, but I think that's one of the holiest cows in Christianity. Like, like because of that cow, five generations and hundreds of people have heard about Jesus. Giving in the gospel will forever be connected. It will forever be connected. Why? Because when we serve and we give and we love and we show up to community and we say, here, have what we have, we turn hearts in fact, God's gift, he gave us Jesus, he gave us everything. God's gift initiated the gospel. Our giving propels the gospel. And that's exactly how it happens. So five generations, one gift. I'm grateful for that pastor. He's going to be one of the first people I hug when I get to heaven. And I'm going to say thank you for showing up and loving on somebody that didn't want to be loved on. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today's teaching. I know it was a teaching. I'm sure it was hard perhaps to swallow But, Lord, I believe when we see how much you have given us and how much more you want to give us, I think our hearts can be free from fear. And, God, I do think fear is probably the main thing that keeps us from giving and giving more. But, Lord, today we're not a people of fear. We're a people of faith, and we choose to trust you with our time, our talent, our treasure, so that we might be a storehouse that has something to give to our community, helping them see you, to meet you, to know you, and to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.